The Ebony's and the Ivory podcast is a bi-weekly dialogue with Dr. Dejalon Jackson-Bell and Dr. Lakeitha Poole. Through the EITI podcast, we plan to promote our mission of dispelling myths, rewriting narratives, and championing women of color in higher education. All views expressed through this podcast are our own, do not represent any entity with which we are affiliated, and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. For more information or to set up a consultation, visit our website at www.ebonysintheivory.com. You are now tuned in to Ebony's in the Ivory. I am not Dr. Poole. Yeah, I'm Dr. Bill, um, and I have my lovely co-host with me, Dr. Poole. I'm Dr. Poole. Hey, you guys. <laughs> One and only. Um, so, you guys, um, we're just so happy to have you back for another episode. Uh, please make sure that you subscribe um, to all of our social media outlets. Um, if you're listening, you're either listening on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts, um, but also uh, be sure to follow and like us on Instagram and Facebook at Ebony's in the Ivory and follow us on Twitter at Ebs in the Ivory. Um, you can also check out our website, um, go back to some um, previous content that we've put up at www.ebonysintheivory.com and it is accessible on your smartphone or your flip phone or whatever you use not your flip um, phone your flip phone you know <laughs> they're coming back um, your your bl- oh, blackberries are, are no longer in service so whatever mm. you use um there's no excuse um <laughs> we're compatible um so make sure you check us out um so this week we're going to be talking about something um we're talking about the tea this week yeah piping hot the tea, tea. piping hot tea. right right um so you want to go ahead and introduce the topic to our lovely listeners yes so if you guys um which i know you do if you're listening keep up with both the blog and our social media page our pages um then you've probably seen a little preview of our topic today um through the blog so uh two weeks ago when you guys hear this um the topic was choosing wisely selecting an all-star dissertation chair and committee um, and this topic, which I think both Dr. Bell and I have referenced in just our other topics, sort of, but we've never given you the full story um, about our experience and probably um, one that is most related to one of the many reasons we started Ebony's in the Ivory was that we were having 
these unique experiences and you guys know we were writing partners um throughout our doctoral process and um when we would get together we would be sharing like our experiences and you know good and bad and so many of them started to overlap and were similar and this topic in particular for better or for worse (laughs) um had too many similarities (laughs) Very few differences and a lot, like Dr. Bell said, a lot of hot tea mixed in. Um, And so for us, we thought it was important in using this platform to make sure that we, you know, in the most professional way we possibly can, um, be transparent and give you guys insight into you know, the great experiences, the the good part is we both had wonderful chairs, which is like amazing. So we're going to obviously talk about that and focus more on that. But we also want to make sure we offer some insight for people who maybe um, are clueless, which is what I was about how to be able to choose the right fit for yourself to offer some tips, offer some guidance, and then share our stories so that you know, you guys can obviously like ask us more questions through social media or email or whatever, but to give okay. you an opportunity to know that it's not all peaches and cream um, once you choose your chair or your committee. And so um, we're just going to share some of that today. We're going to obviously always, we come to you with the facts. We always come with the receipts and always. the data, um, but we also like to make it personal. So you're going to hear a little bit of both today. Um, so I guess we're going to get started. So, um, to just give you a little bit of background in general, and we'll get more into it from our personal perspectives, but choosing like a faculty chair or dissertation chair can be really challenging, um, for a multitude of reasons, some of which we don't even have time to go into today about like who's available on your campus. And that's, we can, we can do a part two if you guys want about that part of it. Um, but just the process internally that you as an individual who is trying to pursue your terminal degree, things that you need to think about. And so I was looking for something to be able to like kind of try as best as possible to condense all of that. And so I came across, um, what I thought was a really cool blog that I wish either existed or we had known about when we were in our doctoral process. Um, but it's called Room 241 and it's a blog by Concordia University of in Portland. Um, and it specifically talks about how to choose a faculty chair for your dissertation and kind of what to expect. And so it really gives some insight about kind of what your uh, chair's role is and like the responsibilities. And so I'm going to share with you guys. Um, they gave three main tips with some insights kind of with each tip. So I'm going to share those with you. And then we're going to obviously, as always, share our opinions along the way and afterwards also process some questions with you guys. So um, just in general, like I mentioned, your faculty chair's primary responsibility is to supervise and guide your dissertation work. That is their duty. Um okay. You get to form a full advising like relationship with them. And then obviously past that, and we might talk about that too. You can go beyond that into mentorship and, um, they may become writing partners on articles, research things, all that in the future. But their goal in the beginning is to coach you through your, um, drafting process of your chapters through figuring out your methodology, um, helping you prepare for your defense. Like all of those steps are their job. So it's a, actually a lot of work. I don't know that good chairs always get enough credit for all the things 
that they actually end up doing. Like they literally do all the things. So and you know what? Mm-hmm. Good chairs um, are asked yeah. by a lot of students. So, That's true. Um, good chairs do triple, quadruple the work um, because students know that they're good chairs. Right. Um, so they might have twice as many um, students on their, um, you know, on their load as far as, um, you know, the dissertation process is concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, because students, you know, want to be successful and they know that they can help them get there. So that's just something I point out as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so basically that person is going to be like down in the trenches with you. Like mm-hmm. they're the person that... When you have great wins, they're going to celebrate with you. When you have the lows, they're going to be the ones to either like chastise you or help you regroup <laughs> to pick yourself back up um, out of the mud so you can start over. <laughs> so Come on, chastising. The go- I know, chastising. Oh, Jesus. Anyways, um, so your faculty chair um, usually guides you up until graduation. And so, of course, you build this like collaborative team along the way, which is known as your committee. And so these folks are made up of like scholars and researchers who are meant to help you in the process of getting to where you're also trying to be. And so these um, folks are meant to also help you become more independent as a scholar and a researcher yourself um, so that you can then conduct independent research. Like that's the goal. And so while that chair is there to guide you. Each person's going to bring their own expertise, their own communication style. So it's really, really important to choose wisely um, because you want the right combination of people. You don't want it to just be just anybody. So um, here's some steps from the blog that they offered um, in how to select um, the right committee members, specifically the right chair. So step one is to do your research. So of course, you're more than likely going to have a bunch of different faculty members to choose from on your campus. But again, that's not always true. I feel like on every campus, but um, they're all going to have their own backgrounds, their own research experiences, their own um, expertise. And so sometimes it can be really hard where to start. Um, one of the things to, to really look at first is just to see, and kind of Dr. Bell just hit on this, but like see how many successful dissertations they've already chaired or that they're currently chairing um, and what they're about. Um, and then if you have access to the student that they're working with to really talk with them um, to just see what their experience has been like with that person. Uh, make sure that you pick someone who is like specialized in your area that you are interested in studying and is really familiar with your methodology and your theoretical orientation. So you could even like do like a list. So the blog, this blog suggested like, you know, ranking people and kind of seeing because you may not get everything in one chair because sometimes that's impossible. Um, but just kind of like really pay attention to what their passions and interests are. Cause that's what you want. You want somebody who is bought in to the idea and the concept of your study, um, with no hesitation. That's probably the biggest piece. Like they have to believe in what you're studying. And so just make sure that they align with you. Um, sometimes it's okay to kind of, you know, do your research by digging into kind of the academic background of that potential chair and start to ask yourself, like, you know, does this person have the experience? Um, are the successful dissertations that they've chaired, like, would, would you consider them to be like exemplary or things that you are interested in? Um, and then you have to obviously know this for yourself, but determine whether or not, um, he or she prefers qualitative or quantitative research methods. Cause that's going to matter because they're, 
they need to be able to help you. Like, trust me, they need to be able to help you. So just kind of asking yourself some of those basic things while kind of knowing answers that you already are looking for is going to help you then narrow down that search. So that's step one, do your research. Step two is contact potential chairs. So now it's time to reach out. So maybe now you have this kind of short list of potential chairs. And so now, you know, you start sending out emails, give a general explanation of your topic, um, maybe tell them why you think they might be a good fit. And then if you have some initial questions, I think that's always good because then they kind of know how serious you are about moving forward. Um the goal would be hopefully that you guys could either set up a phone conversation or maybe even go to their office during office hours and meet with them. This kind of gives you a little bit more about their background um, around the topic, but also helps to start to build a rapport if this ends up being the person that you work with. And so um, it is really important to note that having this conversation is important because the ultimate thing is that that person has to be available to chair your dissertation. So... You don't want somebody who is like, nope, I'm already on five. Sorry. And that was you were putting all your eggs in that one basket. So that's why having a short list is kind of important. And as you'll hear from our stories in a minute, just even having a second person is important because you just never know what will happen with your chair. Um, So just really think critically about that. Um, After you guys talk, maybe like really do some reflecting and sort of, you know, think about like, you know, how easy was it for you guys to talk and kind of brainstorm? Like, did you feel comfortable? Um, Do you feel like you're going to get the right type of guidance? Um, Were they quick to respond to emails? Like how accessible are they? Um, Have you gotten any like feedback, maybe in a a class from this faculty member before? And like, did you find it constructive? Did you find it was feasible to help you along the way? Um, and then really just seeing like, is this person excited about your topic when you're telling them about it? Like, did they try to bring up topic, other subtopics? Did they, you know, tell you about different ways you could maybe formulate your research, like really sort of see, um, how they respond to what you're asking them to be a part of. And so because this person plays such a crucial role, you have to choose somebody that you really think can guide you. Um, but also somebody that you think you can like really have a good working relationship with because like I said they're going to see you at your highs and they're going to see you at your real lows and you need them for both um, to really guide you so that's kind of step two like really just contacting those people starting to narrow down that list Um, and then step three the last step is analyze keep keeping the expertise and mentorship in mind so as an expert researcher this faculty member is supposed to be able to guide you to deepen and further develop your topic. So your research method cannot be overlooked. So be sure that this person is both supportive of either if you're doing quantitative or qualitative, or if you're doing mixed methods for you like wild people out there, um, you <laughs> you just need to make sure that they are familiar with that. And that's that their area of, of interest and expertise as well, because you're going to need them no matter, I don't care how great you were in stats or Um, either of those courses, you just need them to make sure because you're going to look at this document so long that your eyes are going to cross and you're not going to know what you're reading sometimes. So you need them. Um, As a mentor, your uh, faculty chair should really have a professional personality that fits with yours. Um, I have a, I'll have plenty of funny stories about my chair. And if you read the blog, you can kind of probably get a feel for Dr. Williams, who was my chair. Um, I think we did have a great fit. We were very different, but it fit really well because I actually do best with people who are kind of like straight to the point and 
you know, kind of no holds bar because I like to see what I'm going to get from the beginning because then I know how to respond accordingly. And so it worked out. Some days I was like, this man hates me, but it really was because he was just being himself all the time, which at the end of the process, I definitely appreciate it. So you just want to make sure like you guys figure out what's your best way to communicate. And like, you know, nobody's a mind reader. So you have to select somebody that you feel comfortable talking through things with, because you're going to have to communicate when you need something. You're going to have to communicate when things aren't going well. Um, Like every step of the way, like this person, you literally are forming a bond with for a year or more sometimes um, to be able to guide you through this process. So just make sure you build that trust and really um, allow yourselves to just get to know more about each other and really create um, a, a relationship that's built on some key factors like patience and trust and attention to detail um, because those things really, really help. So mm-hmm. I like what you said about trust because um, you have to um, force that relationship with somebody who you feel comfortable mm-hmm. speaking up for yourself to also. Yes, I agree. Um, because when you when we discuss, when we're discussing timelines and when we're discussing when we want to graduate and when we're discussing you know why we chose this methodology or discussing why we chose um, this theoretical lens or whatever mm-hmm. that looks like a framework or whatever mm-hmm. you have to be able to first of all stand behind what you want to do your research on but also stand up for what you want your process to look like and if you're paired with someone who you know, you're scared to say that to, or you're intimidated by, um, you're not going to be able to be your best self in, in that process or in that situation. So, um, it's just, you know, it is, it wouldn't be as efficient as if you were paired with someone who, you know, you trust and you know, they're going to, um, give you the feedback that you need. Um, and it's going to be constructive Mm -hmm. (laughs) and not destructive. (laughs) Yes. And I think the only way that you're able to tell that is you can tell when somebody's truly invested in your success, like your overall success. So yes, that feedback might be harsh to hear initially, but the reason they're giving it to you is because they continue to see the potential, not just in your study, but in you as a person, you're about to become their colleague. And so um, you just really want somebody who supports your research and is fully invested Um Because I think they also can kind of help you in those low moments discover, you know, more of what you're capable of doing and what you're capable of achieving. And so um, it's just really nice to have that person there. Again, sometimes their initial feedback might sting or bruise our egos, but um, I just think it's really, really important. And so it's a, it's a chance to grow. It's a way to be able to build, um, like this talks about in step three, like a mentorship that can last literally a lifetime. So, um, I do think that's important. And those are the three tips that came from that blog, which I thought was pretty cool that that even existed, um, as a blog for sure. And a cool way to summarize the basics around choosing people, um, for your committee, but specifically your chair. So, Dr. Bell, this is, you know, scam- scandal slash how to get away with murder slash uh, all these things. Um, 
first, maybe like we both just talk about, you know, what were the things and you kind of heard the tips that were offered, but were there any extra things that played into you selecting your committee chair? I know you have kind of a story. Well, one thing um, was that, and I think you kind of mentioned it, you have to know who your committee can work well with. Mm-hmm. So like, I mean, hey, you know, higher ed is something else. Um, sometimes it can be political. Um, sometimes people people work better with other people. Sometimes people clash and they don't work well with people. Um, so fortunate enough for me, not only did I choose my chair, but she chose me. Um, and when I kind of was looking at who else I would put on my committee, and she was like, uh, they don't work well together. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they, I don't, I don't know how their relationship is. So she helped me navigate even like interpersonal relationships, um, that could have possibly, you know, set me back, um, due to clashing of, um, personalities. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's important to, um, also look at who's going to be sitting around the table, who's going to be um, working with each other, because your committee has to work with each other as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just, oh, let's just all look at her stuff and we're going to do this independently. It's, it's a committee for a reason. They come to decisions as a committee. Yeah. Um, so it's important to make sure that um, those personalities mesh well together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, we're all people. We all have personalities, so sometimes, you know, that can happen. Yeah. Um, so that's one thing that when you were speaking, it just kind of reminded me of um, what's important in, in selecting committee. Um, also, um, my chair, you know, let me know, you know, you have to be, again, cognizant of personalities. Personality. She was like, you can't have... She was like, I'm going to be the bulldog. You can't have three other bulldogs. She was like, you need someone who is going to um, empathize. Mm -hmm. She was like, I'm not going to empathize. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least she was letting you know. Uh, know. In that moment, yeah. She was like, you need someone who um, is going to um, empathize and sympathize with you and who's going to take a less harsh approach. And she was like, you know I'm going to be harsh because you know me and I want the best for you mm-hmm. um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna squeeze it out of you if I have to um, so even again not only personalities in terms of committee um, interacting with each other but how they um, process your work and analyze your work and how they interact and engage with you as a person mm-hmm. um, you need to be cognizant of how they work with students as well yeah definitely those things are like super important and you can usually observe and figure those things out as you either talk with other people or like the blog even pointed out through your initial meetings with them to kind of just know who they are at the core and also then who they will or won't connect with, which is just important. So, so you had a great chair. Um, I had a great chair. Um, do you feel like then, well, we'll just be honest. So we had great chairs. We did not have the best. (laughs) We did not have, um, fully great experiences with other members of our committee. So before talking about that, like, what do you feel like maybe were the cons to 
the choices around those committee members or that committee member um, for you. And I'll share mine right. too. I'll tell you what I messed up. <laughs> I messed up. I'm just going to be honest. I messed up because one of the people that I put on my committee, I had never taken their class. Mm-hmm. I had never really interacted with them. Mm-hmm. Um, they were um, a professor in my program. Um, but I missed any of my classes, any of my core classes, any electives, anything like that. So, um, you know, I'm hearing from other students, oh, this this person will get you through quickly, um, and, you know, they'll, you know, honor your timeline, and, you know, I'm like, okay, you know, I'm trying to graduate this time, you know, Dr. Poole and I um, had the ridiculous timeline that um, <laughs> we had set in our minds yes. um, mm-hmm. as far as, you know, when we were going to um, wrap up the doctoral journey, so um, I was like, well, this sounds like he is going to align with what I want. Um, and that was not the case. Um, he had his own ideas of when he wanted his students to graduate. He had his own ideas of what he wanted general exams to look like, how he wanted that process to look like. Um, so um, in hindsight, it did not align with what I wanted my process to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I needed from a chair, I mean, not a chair, excuse me, a committee member, um, and what I needed from someone who was evaluating my work, um, and it, the feedback that I needed, mm-hmm. um, it didn't align with, with what I needed during my process. Um, so I messed up because I didn't, I felt like I didn't, I mean, you want to, the trust thing is like a big thing, right? So mm-hmm. you're thinking, okay, this person is, is a professor in my program. Um, and he wasn't, he wasn't just a professor in my program. Um, he was more so, he didn't teach any of the core classes. He taught some of the classes. Um, so he wasn't like a core professor. He was a core professor in another program um, at that time. So I guess I didn't, I didn't, take the opportunity to build that trust as I should have. I did I did meet with him. We did talk about things. I did tell him this. You know, he seemed like he was on board. seemed like he liked. And I really, honestly, I, I actually asked him because his theoretical framework was one that I wanted to um, pursue, you know, for my study. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he was like the expert. So I was like, well, I definitely want to add value to my study mm-hmm. by having someone who is an expert on this particular flame framework. Um, so, I mean, I had I had good intentions, um, but um, in hindsight, I, I think I could have did a better job of researching mm-hmm. um, because you look good on paper, mm-hmm. but as far as like personality and things that, like I said, um, the way that, you know, he engaged with students in the doctoral process, he just, just didn't fit for me. Mm-hmm. Now, I know with some of my classmates, he was their chair and they loved him. It was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it wasn't a good personal fit for me. Um, so I think that's always important is not going by what you hear, but going, uh, going about what's a good personal fit for you and what you want your process to look like. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I will gladly be the one to say that I, I messed up with that one. 
<laughs> well, but part of it, like you said, is more of like just the little steps that, again, for somebody going through that process for the first time, you just, you don't know, you know, you, you don't know, know the yeah. things to look for. You don't know to even exactly. ask people like, oh, what exactly. do I look for in a committee member? Like, you just don't know. Um, exactly. So, yes. So I had similar but a little different experience. Um, and if you guys read the blog, then you kind of know a little bit about it. But um, I picked someone specifically to help me with the stats part. So he was a stats whiz and um, particularly using a unique um, statistical analysis, I thought was really important to have somebody who was like an expert in that. So that's still very similar to Dr. Bell's story in that you really do want to go for the people who are the experts in these things because one, it's a good look for you, but it should be offering you literally the best possible support so that you know your stuff is accurate and it's right. And um, uh, I had taken classes probably at least two, I think, over the course of my program, if not three, with this particular professor. Um, I had even presented once with this professor earlier in my, like, time as a doc student um but i did not beyond the the more formal experiences of being in the class and preparing for a presentation got to know this person and got to really understand what they maybe thought about me and my experience um of pursuing a doctoral degree as well as my study which was a reflection of me as well and so um I think that for me was like my left turn where I just was like, oh, oh, okay. This is what you think about me. Now I, now I know and it's too late because you're on my committee. Um, and so, uh, my experience was just more that this person, when it was critical for them to be on my team, turned, um, and was not on my team. And so thank goodness this is why we're talking about how great chairs are. My chair stepped in and, you know, defended me like they're supposed to because he believed in the study and he saw the bigger picture of what was happening because again I think I was just like oh this person's so mean you know whatever instead of realizing that like I'm still had infiltrated a institution or a structure that was not created for me um and while I would have hoped that in that setting for multiple reasons and Again, I mean, I already have my degree, so they can't really do anything to me. But like, um, you know, I was at a religious institution, the first, my only degree that comes from, you know, not a public institution. So I'm at this place that's supposed to be grounded in um, spiritual integration and diversity and all these things. And I was really having a negative um, racial experience. Like, that's what I'm going to just call it, call a spade a spade. And so- Again, being still semi-gullible, I'm like, it can't be that. Like, this this man is like, he bought into my study. He told me he liked it. He's helped in the initial stages. But when I got to the point where I was then making actual progress and actually um, meeting the deadlines and the requirements of my timeline, it was like it shocked him or it um startled him a little bit like unnerved him in some way and i didn't understand it and again thank goodness for my chair who would see this person daily so he could even see what was happening um from a different way and so um it just 
it showed me a lot. It was a, it was a, again, another a lesson learned and being able to one, stand my ground. And like I said in the blog, my personality, because of knowing how hard I work at that point in my life, and maybe because I was just younger, when stuff would come up like that, challenges like that, I would usually just be like, fine, well, if they don't want me to finish, then I'm not going to walk. Or yeah, I'm, your girl but, was going to quit. I'm yeah. Gonna like, <laughs> I was like, I was, it was a wrap. Yeah, she was she was about to be done. Yeah. And it's crazy to think about that, you know, just knowing how much you've accomplished. Yeah. Um, it's insane. As a person, it, it was, it was, it was real rough. Um, yeah. It was I remember a rough time. that very, very vividly um, because it was ridiculous mm-hmm. um, how quick of a turn, a left turn, um, and, and how you were treated and um, how other students weren't treated. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So, like, I didn't know, I wasn't in Dr. Paul's cohort, um, but I was there every day. So, mm-hmm. I was here and I would, you know, my analytical self, I'm thinking, well, that kind of doesn't make sense right. your classmate. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know about this. So, um, by the grace of God, y'all here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally. That, yeah. That was from a, a outsider's perspective, um, it was it was real shaky, um, and that speaks to um, how much power um, faculty members have, um, and why you know we do what we do here in Memphis. And obviously, to mystify and to champion and to um, you know try to spare mm-hmm. you know everybody and anybody um, from some of the things. You had to go to work, and even if you can't be scared, at least you would know ahead of time, or you can, you know, face it head on, knowing, hey, I'm not moving that trail. We just talked about this on the podcast, because um, it's, it's real. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really real. So, yeah, I definitely remember that. And I remember about to hang it up. <laughs> so, way to way to persist. Yeah, it was definitely a. <laughs> uh... It was frustrating. And again, thank goodness for, that's why And we've talked a thousand times about having your support system and your village. And that was like early, early episodes of the podcast and blog of like creating your, your people so that on those days where you are like, I am done with this. Like, I don't care. Um, I was like, I already have a license. I have a job. I'm not trying to move like whatever. Um, we're supposed to ride to Virginia. Y'all, I'm going to ride it. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I will ride. Dr. Bell will uh, get in the car with you and go. I, I will <laughs> ride. And I was going to ride to Virginia. Um, <laughs> and I was going to ride to Thank goodness for my chair being, you know, the person that he was, um, which is some sometimes why, you know, people use the term loosely, but sometimes why representation matters. matters. And me having yes. a chair that even though he was male, was a male of color and understood, again, what was happening because of 
his probably own experiences, but also like even as faculty, you know, they have challenges of their own. And so I think he just was able to sort of like really like stand in, step in the gap, which sounds like real churchy, but like really, you know, be able to sort of like have my back in a way that only he could, like nobody else could fix that issue and handle it with the professionalism that he did. Um, and that just was really, really critical. And so for that reason, I definitely appreciate him. He's pretty stuck with me as, um, he's going to be a mentor forever, whether he wants to or not. Um, and if you knew his personality, he would be like, no, I don't want to be, uh, <laughs> because <laughs> that's just how he is. Um, he doesn't mean it though, but being able to, you know, just have him on that part of the journey for sure. I appreciate him well before that, but I definitely appreciated him in the midst of that because there's no way that would have made my deadlines for my proposal, my data collection, or my defense had it not been for him standing in and making sure that I got to walk across the stage when I wanted to walk across the stage. Because if it would have been just for me, it would have been over because I would have quit. Mm -hmm. So, um, we talked about, you know, I talked about writing for your, for your people, but like your chair has to write for you. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's a peculiar situation, um, because these people are their colleagues as well. So if a situation comes up, um, and they have to address their colleagues, um, you know, that can be sticky um and it kind of i mean in my situation was even further um so not only did a situation happen with i'll just go ahead and be honest um (laughs) so just you know um with my one of my committee members um i wasn't getting any feedback um also my deadlines were being compromised why was the same thing happening? Yeah, so, pretty much. <laughs> I didn't have the, the the multicultural competency issue, um, but um, like I said, I just wasn't getting the support that I needed, um, that I deserved um, as a doctoral student. Um, so um, my deadlines were shaky, um, and I had in mind, and, and my chair agreed. You know, we wanted to finish at a particular time. Um, and it started, you know, looking like I wasn't going to finish at that time, um, to the fact that, you know, we couldn't get this, um, this committee member, um, up to speed with what was going on. Again, I wasn't getting any feedback. Um, we have different, um, benchmarks. So the general exams, he couldn't make it and the proposal, he couldn't make it and, I'm asking for feedback and I didn't get any, you know, any markups, any write-ups, any, any, any sort of feedback at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and just especially, um, in the sense that I wanted him for this particular theoretical framework, um, his expertise. And I wasn't even getting any feedback on that, yeah. um, because he had other things to do. Um, and I guess he felt like it was more important than, um, developing me as a future, um, colleague. Um, so, um, my chair had had enough and she was like, no, we're not going to do this. Um, you deserve to get feedback. Um, you deserve to get critiqued. You deserve, um, for your work, um, to, 
um, be proofread and you deserve for your work to, um, you know, for this, this particular person to um, give you feedback um, that is helpful and valuable. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, she was like, enough. <laughs> he didn't show up to this. <laughs> he didn't show up to that. So I'm done. She was like, um, I need you to um, tell him that he's off the committee. And I'm, like, I'm clutching my pearls. I'm like, you can do that? <laughs> I'm like, and you're like, wait, I got to tell him? Like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. She was like, I need you. And I'm like, so this is like, this is like, I'm at a crossroads at this point. Because I'm like, this lady just really asked me to kick this man off my committee. He is a professor in our program. He's a tenured professor at that point in the program. No, he wasn't. I thought he was. Uh uh, he wasn't tenured. Um, He was trying to get um, tenure. Well, Um, God don't like ugly. uh, But um, (laughs) I was like, I'm just a lowly doc student. This man is a doctor and a professor in academia. Some of his mentors are people that I used. Mm-hmm. Um, to cite in my dissertation like big wigs like huge giants in education they were his mentors so I'm like I'm about to get blackballed <laughs> um, this is about to be bad and she making me do it um, but in hindsight I needed that um, she gave me the power to use my voice um, and that was that was very necessary um, so she was like you you tell him you tell him at this time and I'm like oh shoot so I crafted this email and it was very professional and very polite um and I said you know I just don't think this is a good fit for me and you know I kind of put it back on me um even though it really wasn't about me um and um it was what you know he wasn't even in the country I don't think um when all this is going on so um uh, clearly that speaks to the fact that he wasn't coming to my stuff uh but um I thought it was all great I thought it was cool you know I thought he understood and it's just a you know it's the rules of the game I mean he chaired had shared some of my friends before me. He shared friends after me, so I didn't think it was a big deal at all. Mm-hmm. Um, later, I found out that it was. Um, <laughs> and he was smearing my name uh, to my friends, and then they would come back and tell me. And tell you. Uh, <laughs> um, interesting. But um, and then my chair said, "Yeah, um, so we're gonna get you a new committee member." So basically, she walked into one of her colleagues' office, and she said, look, um, you're going to be um, Desjalon's committee member, so, yeah. And he was like, oh, okay, well, I mean, you told me, I guess so. And then he came and told me, he was one of my professors as well, and he came and told me, he's like, look, he was like, we all know, you know, you don't play with her. So she told me I was on there, so I'm on there. So send me your stuff. So I'm like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but she went to bat for me like mm-hmm. she got out who she needed to get out and she got on who I needed um, to help me push me push me through and even before um, I had even started writing and we had kind of discussed her being my chair um, she was like look 
She was like, you want somebody who's going to push you through. You're going to want somebody who has your back. She was like, you can't do this without somebody having your back. I have your back. She was like, you know me. I have your best interest at heart. I will do whatever I need to do to make sure that you walk across that stage and that your document gets signed off on. Mm -hmm. Um, And she delivered. So um, that was very um, important um, for me to have that experience, I think, because it taught me um, as a future um, professor, um, this, I mean, it, it helped career development-wise um, just to be able to speak up and to um, voice your concern and, um, you know, be able to see, um, you know, what you want come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, we both had chairs. They really had to, like, go to bed for us and even have to look at their colleagues. Cause this man was her colleague, too. Yeah. Um, look at that colleague side. I Like, what are you doing right now? Um, and you have to have a good person that will, that will do that um, and that will, um, you know, speak up for you, um, even if, you know, it might put them in a, in a position to where they have to address their colleague. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. it's really tough. And, like, that's why, ultimately, while you do need, you know, a great committee, your chair is the key. Um, that person can make, yeah, that person can make or break the experience. So obviously like, you know, we know that some of you guys out there might be very nervous about this process. We hope that this did not scare you. (laughs) Um, because everybody does not have these experience. We both pointed out that we had friends and colleagues in our programs who had these same people as a part of their experience and did not have um those experiences and so you know there's just not much to do about it but being able to again make sure that if something comes up you have what you need in your chair um to be able to have your back and keep keep the train moving so yeah that's what matters one more thing mm-hmm. um my chair also um, because she had great relationships with different people on campus and because she was very confident in how the process worked um you know she helped me to select my other community members mm-hmm. um most specifically my dean's rep um so um you know i've heard horror stories <laughs> from my cohort members from just anybody um a dean's rep is usually someone who is from anywhere in the college um, and they're um, on your committee on behalf of your dean, right? Um, so they can come from, you know, I got my PhD in higher ed, they can come from science, they can come from art, <laughs> history, anthropology, whatever. And sometimes they don't understand um, your methodology, they don't understand um, your framework, they don't understand your study, they don't understand why you're doing that study, um, and they have an opinion, um, and they have to sign off, as crazy as that sounds, um, <laughs> somebody who's not even in your program has to sign off on your dissertation, and if they don't like it, they can hold you up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was able to get through my chair a great dean's rep who um, was awesome and she aligned herself with my study as well and we're cool to this day um and she you know is was not a person i actually did some um 
I did some data collection for her later on after that, and we forged a great relationship. Um, you know, because due to the hindsight or the foresight, excuse me, of my chair. Yeah. Um, so again, having someone who knows the ins and outs of the process, who has great relationships with other people on campus or people who can be, if you don't know anybody and you don't, you know, know who to put on your committee, someone who can recommend, mm-hmm. um, you know, people that you can place on your committee as well. Um, this is kind of a part of the process. Um, it speaks to a, a great, you know, dissertation chair. Yeah, definitely. So we hope these tips have been helpful. We hope that us sharing our stories have been helpful. We know that they were scandalous. Um, so scandalous. But uh, the reason I'm presuming we went through them so that we would have this moment where we got to share it with you and um, hopefully help you either to avoid or just kind of know what strategy to take if you find yourself in a similar scenario. So hopefully that was helpful. If you want more details, obviously I put a little bit more on the blog as well. So you can always check back there. Um, and of course we want to hear from you guys on your thoughts on this topic. Yeah, hit us up. Yeah, if you let had us a, know. a shaky uh, committee. Oh, mm, yeah, or right. Yeah. Or chair or whatever. Let us know. We want to hear. That you wanna, yeah, that you can give to other Ebony's. Um, like I said, everybody and Dr. Poole said, everybody's situation doesn't look like ours. You know, some people just like had a very smooth process, mm-hmm. um, had just an overall great committee. Um, and, and that's wonderful. That's that's excellent. And that's um, something that, you know, we, you know, everyone should strive to have, but sometimes it just doesn't happen like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, sometimes we have to, um, you know, be reactive. Yep. And then also, you know, solution focused when um, those situations do arise. So, right. Exactly. So let us know what your experiences are, what your thoughts are on this topic. Um, We're going to take a quick pause right here for a break, and then we'll be back with our signature segments. Everybody, we're back with our signature segments, and first up is uh, Dr. Bell's favorite section to say, "Culture, culture Corner." corner. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, our culture corner for um, this month is um, a topic that is both probably pretty dear to us too, because we both are licensed clinicians and. Um, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So all month long, and any of you who have um, any type of access probably to social media have probably seen either a different campaign. So I know Mental Health America has something going. I know NAMI has a campaign going, um, all just kind of highlighting, erasing the stigma 
and why we need to, you know, just pay more attention to mental health as a form of physical wellness or making it just as important as physical wellness. And so, um, interesting enough, um, I came across an article in Inside Higher Ed, specifically around a, a recent study saying that graduate students' mental health is actually in a place or at a point of crisis. And so I thought that that was interesting, one, because of the topic we just got through discussing and some of the connections that they found, um, but also in honor of this month as, you know, mental health practitioners that... um we too had our own experiences and things that we went through during our doctoral process that definitely affected um Absolutely. our mental health and our well-being Absolutely. um and had it not been for one having an understanding and probably background in it but also like we've already talked about having your village relying on right. relying 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 on um you know whether that's your faith like spirituality whatever that yes. is um, yes. helps to contribute to maintaining a positive mental health, but that isn't always the case for everybody. And that's what right. this study kind of looked at. So um, several studies actually have suggested that graduate students are at greater risk for mental health issues than those of the general population. And so this is particularly due to um, social isolation. And when you think about it, particularly yes. once you hit the doctoral process, yes. um, it's often a very lonely experience. Yes. Um, it's an abstract experience. So nobody can really duplicate your exact process. So there's no blueprint for you. Like there may be a general outline of like, Hey, this is what's supposed to be in your proposal, or this is what's supposed to be like this, but nobody can actually duplicate that experience. And so the nature of the work and like feeling inadequate, that stuff feels unique to you, even though you're not alone. Um, but it's just really hard. And then what typically will happen even in the midst of that, while you're trying to finish up, you're thinking about the next thing of like finding a job and figuring out what you're going to do. And so, of course, knowing that the job market is crazy, um, right. you know, it's really, really hard to then think about, OK, well, what's next, too? And you haven't even finished the thing that gets you there. So just really um thought that was interesting that there are now so many studies about that. And um, obviously the the connection to like work-life balance is always associated with conversations around physical and mental well-being. And so what people don't often look at though is the uniqueness about being a graduate student in that population and why it's even more, uh, puts those students even more at risk um, than normal folks. Um, and so when we start thinking about what we spent today's uh, podcast episode on as our main topic, a lot of times uh, we also don't realize how much graduate students' relationships with their advisors, um, which is your your dissertation chair, um, is like can impact the the quality of your experience. So we just both described to you guys our negative experiences that we had and how we not had the supportive uh, chairs that we did who were able to continue to pour positively into us, um, who knows how differently those stories could have ended. Um, like I said, I was about to quit. So had it not been for my chair really giving um, some insight, some tough love sometimes, um, and even sometimes just being like, you're losing it, you know, and just yeah. like making, bringing reality into it, you can, yeah. you can really... Um, have a negative experience as far as the quality of your doctoral program. Yeah, one of um our friends, 
our mutual friends um, had a chair um, who, how can I say this, um, it's very negative. Um, he started off one way, kind of like your experience, Dr. Poole, and, um, you know, along the journey, he became very negative. Um, he said things that were very hurtful to her, mm-hmm. um, that she feels were inappropriate and incompetent as far as, um, you know, cultural competency um, is concerned, and um, it really took a toll on her. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, she she discussed or she and I spoke about um, you know I won't say any names but um, her mental health and how how it declined um, into the point where she had to go to physicianing um, take medication get a prescription because she couldn't even decompress mm-hmm. um, at night so um, and that all stems from her experience in the doctoral process with a chair um, who was not supportive yeah. Um, and who who prolonged her process and made it um, harder than it should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, this is definitely a real thing. You know, when you spoke about isolation, I definitely remember feeling very isolated. And as you know, some of you know, both my parents have PhDs. Um, and still, like Dr. Paul said, there is no blueprint mm-hmm. um, in their experiences. They went to different schools. Um, they didn't have the same professors. They didn't have the same committee members. They didn't do the same study. Um, they didn't work the same careers that I did. They weren't in the same careers as I was. Um, so um, it looked totally different. Um, so there were plenty of times where both of us wanted to quit. Uh, both of us cried. I'm like, well, I had a breakdown today. Oh, dude, what happened? <laughs> like, there were plenty of breakdowns. Um, and, you know, as you said, Dr. Poole, you have to have a support system you have to understand that um if you need to speak with somebody um, go to the mental health center mm-hmm. go see a therapist um go do whatever it is that you need to do um because it is a hard process and you know you shouldn't be ashamed um to reach out um to wherever you know you need to um whatever that looks like for you that's very important um, because if you don't, you, you could get lost for lack of a better word, you get lost in the sauce. Um, so, um, making sure that you address mental health throughout, you know, your graduate career or throughout the doctoral journey is very, very, very important. Um, especially for people of color. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. So just make sure that you are, you know. Like Dr. Bell said it perfectly, finding whatever way necessary to take care of yourself um, and to make sure that in the midst of this process, um, you don't let your mental health and your well-being fall to the wayside because then you won't accomplish this this amazing task that you're setting out to do in the first place. So just make sure that you are mindful of that. You take good care of yourself. You seek support um, and you utilize your resources that are available to you. So that's just a little bit of our culture corner. If you're interested in that article in more detail spe- about specifics around the study, like I mentioned, it's on Inside Higher Ed and I'll copy the link in the show notes in case anybody wants to see it. So I'll put that in there. Um, 
last up, I guess, Dr. Bell, I'll let you do this part because I know you added okay. it in. And we'll get to the end so of the show. On a lighter and brighter note, literally, um, <laughs> it is our favorite uh, segment, Ebony's in the Spotlight. Yay! Yay! Okay, so this week um, is awesome because we have one of our inaugural EITI mentorship initiative mentees. Yay. So Danielle Johnson, she's one of our mentees. Um, for our mentorship initiative, um, and we want to wish her a huge, huge congratulations. Um, in April 2019, she was promoted um, at St. Mary's College Wellness Center, where she works. She's promoted to assistant director of the Wellness Center. You better go, yes. girl. Um, and also in May 2019, um, at the um, at the NBC uh, NBCC Bridging the Gap Symposium, which is coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it hasn't happened yet, um, but she will be awarded Outstanding Service to Rural Communities, um, and that award reflects extraordinary commitment, leadership, and accomplishment in service to underserved populations. That's that awesome. awesome. That's amazing. Congrats, Danielle. Yes, Danielle. Like, that's, yeah. that's amazing. Um, we wish you all the best um, as you keep going, and thank you so much for engaging with our platform and mm-hmm. wanting to be mentored and just always being positive and supporting what we do. Um, I'm sure that your mentor is thrilled um, <laughs> and um, even more thrilled to, to be connected to you and the great work that you are doing. So congrats, Danielle. Um, we're just excited to be on this journey with you. Yay. Congrats, Danielle. We're excited for you. That's our mentees. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> bow, bow. <laughs> bow, bow, like we say better. Um, <laughs> so I guess we're closing. Yeah. Yep. This brings us to the end of another episode. We appreciate you guys as always for tuning in. Um every month with us but also engaging with us every single week and so we hope that you will continue to do so and that you will share the podcast one thing i don't think we've ever said on here because we probably forget is if you do listen to us on soundcloud or apple podcast which is the only place you can uh please make sure that not only you um subscribe but make sure that you also rate us and um particularly in apple podcast like rate us put a comment let us know how you actually like the show we get so many like text and social media shout outs like particularly from our like friends and colleagues which is great yeah. but we want more people to be able to find us who don't know that we exist and so by yeah. rating us um or liking at least our channel on um soundcloud but rating us on apple Podcasts, more people can find out where we are um so just make sure if you haven't done that before that you please do um, it takes one click to do it. So just hit five stars because that's what we are. We're five stars. Yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, because that's what we are. Um, so, of course, as always, be on the lookout for EITI Tuesdays. Um, make sure that you continue to like, follow, and subscribe. Send us your questions around our topics. Let us know if there's other topics you want to hear. 
Um, and make sure, just like Danielle, that you submit your fellow EITI accomplishments or your own, um, so that we can highlight you or celebrate your, your friends or peers, um, during that special segment. So that's where we're going to wrap it up and we will see you guys again very soon. Bye. Thank you.